0: Hi, I'm Stephanie Pavlantos, and welcome to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. Today, my guest is Julie Zine Coleman. So welcome to my show, and thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so Julie is a speaker, an author, a Bible teacher, and she is a managing editor for Arise Daily Devotions. But she is also on the pastoral team of um, New Hope Chapel in Maryland, you said? Yep. That sounds exciting. And you said it was a team of six. So three men, three women?
1: Um, Yes. Uh, That came later. The first thing that happened was our pastor was leaving. He was actually a Messianic Jewish pastor. Okay. And he had gotten a call to a congregation out in Los Angeles and he went with our blessing. It wasn't anything bad that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they, they were trying to figure out what do we do? How are we going to fill the pulpit till we get somebody else? And so uh, Gary said, y- you've got, you've got talented teachers here. Why don't you just use the people that, you know, have the gift in the congregation? And he said, and tap into, tap Julie Coleman, cause I just finished seminary and I was already speaking for women's groups and things like that. And he said, Find get Julie to get on that. You know she's perfect for this. And so mm-hmm. when they approached me, I was I was kind of like, uh, you know, I went to a very conservative semin- a seminary, and I just said, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I'm comfortable teaching men. And and um, right. they said, listen, you are not usurping anybody's authority, First Timothy two, but we're asking you to do it. And so I was really nervous about it. And so I agreed and I wrote my sermon, went up to, to do the sound check the day of, and um, one of the elders walked by in front of me and I said, you better back away. You might get hit by my lightning. <laughs> <laughs> but to my great surprise, not one person complained. Everybody was very excited and, and uh, you know, it was very encouraging. So I ended up teaching on the teaching team and that has lasted now for quite some time. I think it started in 2008. So Um, I've been on the pulpit for many years and, and it's, it's, uh, we, we have four teaching members right now and there's two women, two men, all very talented, very gifted teachers. And so those are the people who do the pulpit ministry and we divide it evenly, one fourth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we take turns, we do series, things like that, but it's kind of fun for people because, you know, if you don't like the way one person teaches, just wait till next week. (laughs) I know. Right. And so, Uh and and it's been really fun to have people to bounce things off of and get creative with. And um, it's really been a blessing to me. I don't take it lightly at all because you know, who gets to do this in a conservative church, but um, so that's been really good. And then this past fall, um, we were down to two elders, COVID, we lost some families due to some other things. Mm-hmm. And so we were getting really small and we only had two elders and, and they were dying. And, um, oh. so, so they, they suggested four people to the congregation and they voted us in. And, um, so now we have three women, three men that are used to be called elders, but we're calling it the pastoral team. Cause we do not have a one man ministry. It's, it's divided. We're all doing pastoral care. We're all, you know, counseling, coming alongside people, mentoring, doing all those things that you would expect of a shepherd. Mm -hmm. But um, so that, again, is a huge privilege that who gets to do that. (laughs) right? So it's been really a blessing and God has used it in a great way in my life. And I hope in the lives of the people that are in the congregation. But it's a very special group, very intent on using gifts um their gifts that the holy spirit has mm-hmm. given them mm-hmm. you know choose your spiritual gift but just right. helping people to to invest in the group and of course paul says the reason we have gifts is not to build ourselves up it's to build up the church exactly. and so everything we're doing is toward them mm-hmm. and not about us and it just it works it just it works. works and it feels like a very healthy um congregation i mean we okay. have our ups and downs it's not perfect um it gets messy. It gets messy when you have that many people yes. in leadership, but you know what? We're making it work and that's the Lord. So that's
0: great. Yeah. It's been great. And studying. I think that most people, whether or not, I mean, I'm not saying they don't understand or they don't realize, but we don't always think about our pastors gifting. There's there's evangelism, there's prophet, there's people who just are out there to tell you the truth. And this is what you got to do. And, and this is wrong. This is right. They're just black and white. And then you've got the past pastors who are like the shepherds and Mm -hmm. who are, you know, full of empathy and sympathetic Mm -hmm. to the person. And then you have the teachers. So your pastor can be an evangelist and it's like, you know, a one and done and then move on to the next thing and Mm -hmm. you know kind of thing but then you've got the teachers who like series and like to go deep and like to follow up and they and so when you have a team like this you have more likely that you have different giftings throughout the team right to to apply to different situations but also to the needs of your congregation yeah so that's awesome
1: yeah i really i feel like it's how the new testament church originally worked i do too paul talks about in first corinthians 14 you know when they get together this one brings a psalm this one has something to preach this one has a prophecy you know back and forth and everybody was sharing it wasn't just one person up there right um and 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 it was such involvement that people it was their church you Mm -hmm. know it wasn't just show up on sunday and warm up a pew you know right you were
0: involved in you had skin in the game as they say yes exactly
1: exactly so awesome
0: So you've written a book on purpose, understanding God's freedom for women through Scripture, and you talk about women in ministry, mm-hmm. and you use biblical examples. Of course, mm-hmm. you go through from the um, from creation onto basically Timothy, I would imagine, um, everything in between. But um, mm-hmm. but you've had, but you said you haven't really had any pushback from your book, which is awesome because there are those people who are very, you know, and maybe some who are listening who do not believe women can be pastors. And, but you seek to explain those things, um, not just in the new Testament with Paul's writings, but also from an old Testament point of view, because Jesus, um, well, because God gave women gifts and men. And, and I've also taught on this thing too, but we were to complement each other. And when, and I've always thought about it when he said, you are one, you are one flesh in Genesis, he talks about us being one as husband and wife. And, Mm -hmm. and there's really, you know, there's not a hierarchy when you're one, Mm -hmm. you're, you're equal. And I'm not saying there's no hierarchy and I'm not dismissing that, but when you're truly one, there's, there's no I'm boss and you're not, or I'm the head and you're not, and you're making decisions together for mm-hmm. the best of each other and your family.
1: Yeah. There is absolutely no hierarchy um, even intonated in um, Genesis one or two. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, in Genesis one twenty eight, when it's just kind of a summary kind of a thing, God, it says that God created men and women or man and woman in his image. Mm-hmm. And then he told them together to, you know, be fruitful, multiply, right and rule the earth Mm -hmm. together. So, and then, and so there's no, and there's no, nothing in that, that passage, those two chapters, um, that would make it a hierarchical kind of a, it's a relationship. One flesh, like you said, um, Adam sure saw that as like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it was, it was the ideal because there was no sin. Right. And so they had the perfect relationship. Right. I mean, if you can you imagine a marriage without sin, good grief, <laughs> but they had it, and they had a wonderful relationship, and they were together when the serpent approached eve and and uh worked on her to take that that fruit, but that was the fall mm-hmm. um and then um, so where I think people get hung up, although I've heard a lot of people try to make a case for. Adam being, you know, the the head and Eve being the, you know, the, the helper. Mm-hmm. And that word helper, Ezer, is mm-hmm. also used of God when he's a helper. And it's also used of strong armies that come to an aid, to the aid of um, another, you know, Israel. And so um, it's never from a position of weakness or subservience. It's always somebody that comes alongside and a- adds their strength and carries these people through. So when God said, I'm going to create a helper, he wasn't saying an assistant mm-hmm. saying somebody's going to be equally strong and together they'll be better. It and is so, right. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's no, there's no sense of, um, hierarchy, but right. what, what really starts is, is in uh, Genesis three. So she takes the fruit and, um, and they realize they're naked and he, he eats the fruit too. And then finally God goes into the garden and first they hide and then they finally come out and um Adam throws her under the bus. She mm-hmm. did it. She <laughs> made me eat it. And that woman you made me, he says. I know. <laughs> That's where the trouble began. Uh, I know. There goes sin. But anyway, um. so but this is, you know, he gives a. So then after God hears everybody's thing, he, say, he pronounces judgment and he tells first the serpent, he curses the serpent. Mm. From now on, you're going to spend all your days crawling on the dust and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to make enemies of you and the woman and her offspring, her descendant. And it's a promise of the Messiah. And then to the woman, he says, but he doesn't curse her. He just mm-hmm. says something and he says something to the man. But then he says, "Cursed is the ground because of you. So two things get cursed in Genesis chapter three and neither of them are Adam or Eve. Mm-hmm.
0: So then That's what right. is
1: he doing here? What is he doing here? Well, he tells, he says, I will, to Eve, he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall deliver children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now, rather than that being prescriptive, like this is how this is going to go from now on, mm-hmm. he is saying this is how it's going to go from now on. But he's showing them this is how your relationship is going to change. You've introduced sin in the world; nothing is going to stay the same. Even right. your relationship is going to change. And and so he 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 gives that news to Eve, and then of course he gives the news to Adam. The ground's cursed, so you're going to work, you know, right. sweat of your brow. And it's going to be really hard. And, um, and by the way, that pain in childbirth and the working by the sweat of your face, same Hebrew verb. Mm-hmm. So everything's going to be more work. Right. Right. Sin, right. Yeah. Um, and so, but anyway, um, but, but the thing is he's, he's not prescribing. He's describing right. this is how it's going to look from now on. Mm-hmm. And so there's still God is not pronouncing a hierarchy there. Right. He's just saying because of sin, your relationship's going to change. Yes. And it's not going to be pretty.
0: And I've often taught on that, that there's a rabbi that I like to listen to, Rabbi David Foreman. And he talks, he calls this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as the tree of desire, because it wasn't about that they never knew good and evil. They knew truth. They knew God's truth and his and what was false, according to God. But now it becomes very subjective and you can still see it playing out. What you think is evil, I may say is good. And what you say is good, I may say it's evil. And because it's based on our desires. Hmm. So now you have a man and a woman that come together, two people that come together that have their own desires from the fall. And now that's going to create
1: some difficulties. Right. Right. I mean, everything was different. The mm-hmm. your marriage would never be the same. Right. And So, so if we're trying to make that arrangement of man ruling over the woman mm-hmm. uh, a good thing, it was it was because of sin. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus took care of our sin problem. Right. He already paid for that. And right. so we shouldn't be trying to stay under that the false bondage dichotomy, sin. right? Because. We're, we're not under sin. We're not to sin anymore. And so we can overcome Mm -hmm. and, and, and let's face it, the, the thing about the ground and how hard it's going to be to do agricultural stuff. We've done plenty to help man out. We've Mm -hmm. built all kinds of machines and chemicals and all kinds of things that just really makes it so much more possible to farm a a big swath of land and and get a Mm -hmm. decent profit. Um, but nobody says, well, you're disobeying scripture because God said that you're going to do this. They say, Oh, great. We're getting rid of some of the effects of sin, right? It's, it's redemption. Right. Um, but for the woman, you know, we're all of a sudden bad. If, you know, we, we, we don't want to have a relationship where somebody's ruling over us. But again. Mm-hmm that everything else we we can we can take medication for childbirth we can mm-hmm. you know do other things but not that one thing that's the holy sacred cow and um it just it doesn't make sense to me at all right i understand that, right yeah. so yeah. anyway i i had to work through those two passages because um i was my first book was called unexpected love and it was conversations that jesus had with women in the new testament mm-hmm. And so I had written this book, I'd been speaking on it and doing all kinds of things. And I was geared to speak to a certain church with whom I had spent many times speaking to them, special events. I even had done a couple of retreats. So I was going to do a retreat with them in a couple of weeks. And I got a call from the pastor and he said, uh, Julie, I've got some concerns. You're speaking on your book. I said, well, yeah, that's what they want me to do. So yes. And he said, well, um, I've got some concerns about your book. I'm thinking, What? What could he be concerned about? I said, like, what? Like, what's the problem? And he said, well, he said, um, I haven't read the book. I only read the introduction. And I'm thinking, what was in the introduction that could be offensive? I couldn't right. even imagine. So finally I said, can you just tell me what it is? Like, what, what's the problem here? And he said, well, yes. He said, you said that Je- Jesus came to set women free. I thought, so you don't think Jesus came to set women free? It is kind of gospel and yes. he said no it not, well it depends on what you mean by free because women have certain roles that they have to be in and blah 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 and i said well okay i said now i understand first of all i know your church really adheres to that idea i said and so i would never say anything that would cause a division never never mm-hmm. i said but i do disagree with you on it and i have scripture to back me up <laughs> or I got it from scripture.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so, so anyway, but, um, but it got me thinking about Janice because he said, well, you know, it's from the beginning, from the beginning, it was hierarchical. And I thought, really? And so I went back and really, really looked at the passage and I thought, that's not what it's saying at no. all. It's, it's taking an idea that you already had and then reading it into a passage where it doesn't exist. Yes. You be careful about that because the Bible mm-hmm. is absolutely the word of God. It right. is It is absolutely accurate it is absolutely um the way we're supposed to go it's a revelation of god i totally treasure the word of god Mm -hmm. but human interpretation is subject to humans
0: and we have to be careful that our worldview doesn't get in the way of interpretation, and even our american culture gets Mm -hmm. in the way of our interpretation because because they were ancient near east people who studied and wrote this bible So they had a very different world view than we did Mm -hmm. uh, or than we do. But um, but also like even in the Greek, I was I was talking to a man yesterday who is a Torah teacher and um, he's actually a Bible translator. Very, very interesting. But he explained that, you know, the Greek was very patriarchal. So when it when it took some of the the New Testament and it was translated, um, some of what the Greek put in in the translations for things um, were different than what was there in Jesus Aramaic words. And Mm -hmm. one of the examples is when Peter came, you know, he was on the, on the shore and Peter and John come in from fishing and, and he has this conversation with Peter after he resurrected. And he said, do you love me? And he said, feed my sheep. And then do you love me? And he says it three times like first feed my lambs, and then it was feed my sheep and feed my sheep. And he said, actually, in the Aramaic, it's feed my lambs, feed my male sheep, feed my female sheep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? That's not how we read it. It's just sheep or it's lambs and then sheep. And he's like, no, he was very specific about each, the the little ones, the males and the females. He was supposed to feed them all and he goes and so Jesus was careful to include women in that mm-hmm. um command that he gave Peter and I I thought that was very interesting
1: yeah I mean Jesus was you know he 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 was the culture breaker I mean he had he had women in his entourage that followed him went with him you know took took care of the, the people and and they were disciples I mean right. not 12 but there was you right. know Quite a few. I mean, he sent out 70 at one point, but mm-hmm. women were in that group. And um, and Luke, in Luke 8, he named several of the women and others and says and others. So we don't know how many exactly, right. but they were instrumental in being part of that ministry. And so especially, you know, they went to the tomb when Jesus was had been buried and the angel said, you know, he's risen just as he said. And the women went, oh, yeah, he said that <laughs> because they had been listening, you mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. so they got to be the ones who went and announced to the the, the male disciples who didn't right. believe them, by the way. <laughs> right, right. they exactly. heard the same sermon that he, you know, they had exactly. But
0: you know, but and that was totally against the culture because a woman right. wasn't even allowed to be a witness in in a court of law. Right. Right. But yet, who does he make his first witness? He makes yep. Mary yep. his first witness of his resurrection, and I love
1: it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And it's, it's not that we're bashing men, right? I mean, no, no. We love the men in our lives. We love yes. the relationship. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that my husband is my cover. He is, he is the head of our family because I want him to be that. And I, and I allow him. And I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't already have the right, but I have to be in, I have to allow it too. Just like just like our relationship with Jesus, we have to allow him to move in our life. He mm-hmm. he doesn't come in as a a king who says you will do what I say. No, he comes in as a prince who says let me be your authority. And we say, yes, be our, be my authority. I surrender to you. And, and that's what we do. And that's the same relationship we should have in marriage, I think in a family. And, um, but when my fam, but when my husband is supporting me, he's praying for me, he's covering me with the protection as a woman. And so when I go out teaching, he's protecting me. He's praying over me before I leave, before I speak. And and he's he's praying for me while it's happening. You know, in that way, he's my covering and he's my protection. When my um, daughter was dating a non-believer, I said, who's going to pray for you? I said, have you ever thought that about that? I said, is he going to pray for you if he's not a believer? Is he going to pray for you when you're gone? And when you're witnessing to someone or when you're ministering to someone in another country, because she was on her way out of the country. And I'm like, he's not praying for you. It doesn't even occur to him to pray for you. And I said, well, we need to understand that. We need the par- partner who is just as committed to the things we are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for sure.
0: It's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, You also talk about Deborah in your book because yeah. she suddenly comes out of nowhere in a sense and becomes a judge and we've seen you know Moses Joshua we've seen all these men in positions of authority but then suddenly we see Deborah so what what can we learn
1: that that was one that always made me wonder um, when I was being raised in a very conservative church with head coverings and not making noise at all except to sing but no 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 verbal anything that went on in church even the business meeting Women weren't allowed to participate, so, um, so I always wondered about Deborah, though. Like, was God breaking his own rules because she was not only, um, you know, the 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 judge, she was she was a prophetess. I mean, there's only one other person that was judge and prophet, and that was Samuel, mm-hmm. and then there was Deborah, and so I always wondered, and 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 I asked, you know, uh, several people that I thought would know stuff. <laughs> And I remember sitting on the bus one time, and and um, we were, I was at camp, and the speaker happened to sit near me, and so I asked him, "What do you, what do you think about Deborah? Like, well, how? What does that fit in anywhere?" And he said, "He said, well, he said, you know, times were bad, and there weren't there weren't any good men, and so God was, you know, forced to use Deborah. He would have used a man if there was one, but he was forced." And I thought to myself, "That's not a very big view of God. He's a victim of circumstances, really." <laughs> And that really bothered me. And I thought, I think better than that. There's got to be more of a reason. And and so anyway, as I studied Deborah, I was really excited about studying her uh, to write this book. And uh, sure enough, I mean, she was she was long before they went after their enemy and, and ousted them from the land. She was a judge. She was judge over. Several tribes, which the tribes were very autonomous, they didn't rule each right. other. But in this case, several tribes went, and she actually, when they went into battle um with General Cicero, Cicero they they definitely had more than two tribes because she talks about it in her song in mm. chapter five, Judges five. But anyway, just just watching her in mm. action, and the other thing that I always heard was that Barak, Barak or Barak or whatever you how I don't even know how you pronounce yeah, it. I know who you mean. <laughs> I was fine until we had a president with that name, and I thought, "I don't know, I don't know what to do." Yes. But anyway, um, so so they Barack came and and he he she um, called him because God had told him, "Get an army together. You're going to go after this guy. I'm going to take mm-hmm. you through. I'm going to win the battle for you." And so she approached him and asked him, and and he asked, and he he believed her. He believed what God God had told her that, but he said, "I don't want to go into battle unless mm-hmm. you're with me." And so a lot of people in my, my childhood would tell us that, well, you know, he was hiding behind a woman's skirts. He wasn't acting like a real man. If he was a real man, he would have taken wow. charge, but instead he was hiding behind her. And I thought, as I'm reading this thing, I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute. She was the, she was the voice of God. She knew what God wanted. Why wouldn't you take her into battle for any last minute instructions? Right. right? Let's get the voice of God in here with us. And we're going to do exactly what God tells us to do. He's going to win the battle for us. We want to be cooperating here. (laughs) And so that's why. And, and, and then she tells him, yes, I'll go into battle with you. She said, but I do need to tell you that you're not going to get the glory for this battle, that God's going to give the glory to a woman, which was jail, who ended up being the, um, the person who murdered the general, but, but he, he said, okay, I'm not getting the glory. And he went anyway. Mm. So are you telling me that that was a bad guy? No, it wasn't about him. It was about listening to what God mm. said and obeying what God said and leading and doing the best of his ability mm. to do what God right. said. And yeah. so and and the thing is, I hear that kind of stuff all the time. But they're reading into the text because there is no place in scripture that as has been um dissed. Every time he's spoken of in Hebrews, uh, he's spoken of and he was listed with all the Mm. great heroes of the faith. There was no weakness there. No, no, um, you know, no
0: condemnation on
1: him. Right. Exactly. And so I don't think God was using Deborah because he couldn't find a good man. Because you know what? Barack was pretty good. (laughs) And he was a general. So, you know, but instead God chose to use Mm -hmm. a woman. And Mm -hmm. I really believe it's because he wanted to make sure that this patriarchy thing that was going on was not his design. His design was to use women at times. And so I just, uh, you know, we've got to get that mindset out. Here's the thing. I'm reading the same Bible that people that teach, you know, this other idea, I'm reading the same Bible they are. But the thing is, I I think sometimes we carry assumptions Mm -hmm. with us. And then we start using scripture to back us up what we already mm-hmm. think. Yes. bad idea. Yes. Go to scripture, clean the slate, ask God, just let me forget everything I know. Right. And let me look afresh and your Holy Spirit will guide me. And so take a fresh look, because if you really take an honest look and you're not trying to prove something, you're going to right. see what I saw. Because
0: we do, we look at scripture through the denomination we're in, through the lens of the denomination. Yep. We look at scripture through the lens of our gender, through the lens of mm-hmm. our family situation. Um, We look at God according to how, what kind of father we had, our human father, you know? So yep. there's so many exactly. lenses we have to look at life, look at Jesus, look at scripture, look at the life of um, in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, and, and we can just make it something that it's not because of those lenses. So you're right. I mean, you have to just kind of say, God, give me just open eyes to see scripture the way you want me to see scripture, not the way I've already been trained to see scripture. Because like this is very small, but I remember learning when, um, someone told me that Luke was, was jewish he was probably a hellenistic jew and i had been taught all my life he was he was greek and and that was it like he wasn't even a jewish man because his name was Greek and, but the more I've learned is when he the p- things he's talking about in Scripture, as he couldn't know if he were a Gentile, he couldn't know about the temple, he couldn't know about, he wouldn't know, he wouldn't be talking about to a high priest named Theophilus, you know. So there's so many little hints we have in Scripture that that give us a bigger picture of who somebody is, but we don't understand those hints. We don't understand because we don't know the culture, the language, the history, and and we need to understand all of those things to really yes. get a good picture yeah. of scripture.
1: Because it was written 2000 years ago, at least the new Testament. And, you know, there's things in there. We won't understand unless we know something about life right. back then.
0: Right. right. And right? there's lots of books out there that teach Important. about the ancient near East point of view and even goes through Genesis because I've known of teachers that really, like, if you don't understand the first 10 or 11 chapters of Genesis, then you can't understand fully the whole, the rest of the Bible, because there's so much in Genesis that we need to understand before we can understand what, even Jesus, what he did and how he did it and why he did it, you know, he's, he's out to Mm -hmm. restore everything. And I, Mm -hmm. he's already redeemed everything now he wants to restore everything and and this is a process that we're all going through as we understand scripture and we learn to be more Christ like so um it's very interesting i guess we ha- there's puzzle pieces in scripture that we have to like learn to put together yeah. i th- that's how i see it in my own mind um but i love that i love the way you can bring those together because i think you write about Paul, you write about um, the things that he wrote in Corinthians and the things he wrote to Timothy. And in some of those chapters, you bring up, I think, in Corinthians, there were three times he said be silent or be was it be silent?
1: Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. That's three So mm-hmm.
0: um you want to share a little bit about that? Because there were three people, three three types of people he was telling to be silent.
1: Three groups, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you only, you only hear out of that chapter, uh, women should be silent in all the churches. That's the verse that always got quoted at me. So, you know, don't think about praying out loud because mm-hmm. not happening. <laughs> and so women would have to go off in the side room and pray when, you know, we had prayer meetings. But, um, but that verse is actually part of a group instruction that he's talking to the church. That's the beginning of chapter 14 after his chapter on love in 1 Corinthians. And he addresses actually three groups. One group is the uh, people who are speaking Mm -hmm. in tongues. One group are the prophets and one group are the women, some of the women at least. And so anyway, so, but the prophets and the tongue speakers were both male and female. Mm -hmm. And so, but the first, but the whole point of his thing was, look, you've been given your gifts so that you can build up the church, not to build yourself up. So the tongue speakers, They were speaking in tongues and looking all spiritual, but they didn't have any interpreters. So the only one that benefited from their tongue speaking was themselves. And Paul said, no, Sagao, be silent until a time when Mm -hmm. it's appropriate, when you have an interpreter. Then he moves on to the prophets and they had many, several people that God had been giving them words to say, and they were anxious to share them. But one guy or girl would get up and hog Stage, so to speak, and and just keep prophesying. And there was somebody else was ready to burst because they had something that they really wanted to share, and they wouldn't let them. And Paul said, Mm (laughs) "Sigao, be silent for a time. Everybody gets a turn. Let's do this in orderly fashion fashion. because everyone, if it's from God, every word's important, not just yours, right? And then the last group was the women who were asking questions. Now in Greek society. Um, When somebody was speaking or orating or whatever verb you want to use, it was permissible. If you knew about the subject they were talking, you could ask a question or make a comment and it was okay if you Mm -hmm. knew stuff, but to be uneducated and to interrupt a speaker was very rude because, and I've had this happen all the time that somebody will, if I'm teaching in a group up in Baltimore or whatever, and, and somebody will start, Sidetracking me with their questions and I'm and and I after a while I'm just like okay I have to get back to what we were talking about because this is where this message right. needs to go <laughs> but you know but she was she was derailing mm-hmm. me in, in the way she was bringing stuff up and she just liked to hear the sound mm-hmm. of her own voice I don't think it was honest at all the 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 question she was asking so but the the women were asking questions hey what about this and and it was right. distracting not only the speaker but the people were trying right. to listen, so Paul said, ask your questions at mm-hmm. home, you know, and then come and be ready to participate, mm-hmm. but don't be derailing the speaker or what's going on. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. about you. It's about the group. Because I've also heard it
0: explained. They had groups all week, small groups in their homes, but they met together as all these small groups met together in a large group at least once a week. So it was at that time. Now I don't know if if that you've seen that in scripture or if that's how you interpret it but but that's what I've been told and explained that when they got together as a big group it was not the time then to question and and, and disrupt and and all of those are about disrupting a service, disrupting the speech Right,
1: right. And, and and again, drawing the spotlight to yourself. Rather than giving a spotlight to what God had planned for that group right. and not trying to disrupt it. But the the prophets, the tongue speakers and the women all were told Sagao, mm-hmm. be silent for a time. Mm-hmm.
0: And you have to look for the pattern there.
1: Yeah, right. Because we're about each other. We're, mm-hmm. Our gifts are to build each other up. And so it was all. And then, of course, he just finished talking about love. That's not self-centered at all. It's about the other person chapter 13. So, so, you know, it it was, it was consistent. His message was consistent with those three groups, but Mm -hmm. we only hear about the women. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that disturbs me because I think you're, you're reading, and that's context. You say, what else is going on in this chapter? What else is Paul teaching? And when you see the other two groups, it's like, wait a minute, this isn't just one group of people. He's, he's really addressing a, a big number in the church. People Mm -hmm. who had those gifts. So we can't take verses out of context and make Mm -hmm. them mean what they didn't mean within their context. They're all part of the whole. And we have to look at the whole and say, how does this fit in with the main message of that passage? How does this fit in with the main message of the book, main message of the New Testament? You know, the Bible, just because it's all part of a whole. And God's word... He doesn't lie. He he doesn't contradict himself. So you got to look at everything to really figure it out. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, the biggest problem with scriptures that are being interpreted um, to hold women back from using their gifts that the Holy Spirit, by the way, gave them. They didn't choose them right. and saying, no, they can't. Why? Because they said, well, this verse over here and this verse over here and this one over here and let's put them all together. This is our doctrine on women. But they're ignoring what they meant in their original context. So you're putting words in God's mouth. I don't right. know about you. I don't want to put words in God's mouth. <laughs> I want to no. say what oh. he means to say. <laughs> yes. We, so, yeah, it's very exactly. important. And so that's kind of my life's mission is mm-hmm. to help people to really understand context and the things that need to be considered when you're looking at a passage. Exactly. Don't, don't, uh, you know, I used to say in seminary as a joke, <laughs> I love it when scripture backs me up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the wrong way to go about anything. Exactly. Of course. We look at scripture to help us decide what we think, Mm -hmm. not the other way around. And so you make mistakes when you're trying to make scripture do something it's not supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be doing something much bigger. So, Yes, exactly. Here's my soapbox for the day.
0: (laughs) It's fine. I get on those once in a while. So I understand because when we were passionate, I mean. It's, it's a passion that is God given that you don't want to see scripture taken out of context. And, and even when I see it on Facebook, someone will take a a verse out of context and I'm like, oh my goodness, why are you taking that out? Do you even know you're taking it completely out of context? And I listened to a speaker once it was actually, um, he was on DVD and it was a whole, um, you know, how life way you get a book and you get a DVD series to go all together And um, he wanted to, he was talking about anxiety. The whole series was on anxiety. And so he took something Jesus said that he was overwhelmed to the point of grief or the point, oh, now I've forgotten what that was, but, but it was, it was his overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed because of, he was going to the cross and he was overwhelmed and he actually took that and said, see, even Jesus was overwhelmed at some times. Even Jesus suffered with anxiety and depression. And I was just like,
1: yeah, that's a jump. You go to the that's cross yeah. and see
0: how much anxiety you have. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, he
1: was human, so he felt yeah. all those things, but he was also God. <laughs> yes. Let's not forget yeah. that part. But, I mean,
0: so, yeah. take that scripture, when he was going, he knew the torture, he knew he was going to have his beard poured pulled out he knew he was going to be unrecognizable he knew what he was in for who wouldn't have some anxiety
1: um yeah humanly speaking
0: yeah nobody wants who to wouldn't be that. overwhelmed right
1: right but he did it but, for the joy set before him
0: yes so and um but to take that out of context i felt like he was taking it out of context and that bothered me because it's like jesus wasn't depressed jesus (laughs) jesus had good reason to be um upset and anxiety right right have anxiety but
1: no, no i love it that you did look at the context and think about those things because we do have to be careful because people Mm -hmm. make big jumps all the time and i hear speakers on the radio whatever i'm cringing in my car because i'm thinking wait a minute what (laughs) but you know i know and and, you know i don't mean to be judgmental it's just, it's just a habit to always make um, the context part of your consideration because it is, it is defined by its context. And so Mm -hmm. like that first Timothy two passage, you got to look at the context there. It's huge. That's right. All of these passages that we're referring to are all in my book. And each passage is one chapter in on purpose. So I do a deep dig into every single uh, passage and look at all the things um, before I start any interpretation. Mm -hmm. And so I Mm -hmm. just feel like that's, I'm trying to model what it would, right. the, the correct way to do it, because you don't mm-hmm. want to, like, like I say, put words in God's mouth. So, mm-hmm. um, And
0: I don't think people realize that it is part of our God-given gift mm-hmm. to feel that passionate and feel that um, protective of scripture in yeah. a sense, because that's what we are. We are protective of scripture and how it's interpreted and how it's translated um, by those around us. And you want to see it set right. You want to see it correct yes. and so you kind of get a little edgy because when you it just kind of makes you a little crazy when it doesn't when you hear it taken out context but you do teach you've taught at the last conference which was blue ridge mount blue ridge, ridge mountains Co-
1: yeah blue Ridge Writers conference yeah mountain christian writers conference
0: <laughs> but you you've taught on that process of mm-hmm. how you go through scripture and you you teach on that, which is a really good thing because it's probably not everyone's favorite class. I mean, I think people would rather just study a book of the Bible than learn how to study a book of the Bible.
1: But the thing is, but, you're missing so much right. if, if we you don't it. really take a good look, especially observation. I mean, that's, and by the way, on my website, mm-hmm. um, that I've got all kinds of aids, free downloads of, of things I've written right. up on you know, good observation methods and interpretation and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would love someday to come out with a DVD series. Oh, of course, we don't have DVDs anymore. But anyway, a video series. <laughs> I'm showing my age here. But, um, <laughs> you know, that I could just really teach it. I When I taught it at Blue Ridge, I was surprised at the number of people that were interested. And I was surprised at their reaction. They ate it up. Because they could see. They could see what yes. happens when you... When you do right. what you should do, and it just right. blows things open for us, and and mm-hmm. uh, big discoveries get made, and all of a sudden, you know, and I I I used to call it, you know, hidden in plain sight because it's there. We just have to, you know, look at it and find it. Right. So you have to understand the context. Yeah, kind of a little bit like Where's Waldo? I guess I don't know, but you, you know, we're always looking, always looking, and asking God all the time. When I'm writing books about about His Word, I ask Him probably yes. twenty times obsession. Help me find the right thing. Show me what you want me to write. Show me because, you know, and I'm not saying I'm like, you know, scripture being Holy Spirit yeah. inspired, but he does help me mm-hmm. and, and he, does he does help me. And I'm telling you, he has shown me things I never would have found on my own, but it's mm-hmm. because I was using it carefully. I'm treating right. it like it's the word of God.
0: <laughs> and the desire is to know it properly right. and to it rightly divide right. scripture rightly that divide is our desire that's right That's right. and when it's your desire he is going to answer questions like that he's going to answer prayers like that because that's what he wants us to do so right. it's, it's amazing how much he answers us and
1: that's what the holy spirit mm-hmm. uses to transform yes. us is scripture so to me the better i get scripture out in the airwaves the more he can exactly. do in people's hearts and so Uh, You know, that's, it's the value of the whole thing.
0: And it's a beautiful thing when you're, when you're teaching like you do and you see these like light bulbs start popping on. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, they're getting it. It's like they're starting to see it Mm -hmm. and it's meaning for themselves. And that's very satisfying as a teacher. But again, Mm -hmm. we go back to those gifts. If you're, if you're listening to more of a prophet type of pastor then you're not going to get certain things, but you're going to get other things, but you're not going to might get those kind of going through scripture methodically. Look at the context, you Mm -hmm. know, that's why God gifts us with different types of gifts because we need teachers as much as we need evangelists and as much as we need the prophets who tell us what's right and what's wrong and what God's saying, you know, about this and Mm -hmm. what God's saying about that. And, and we need the, The, um, those who are compassionate and, and, you know, just those pastors who are true shepherds who want to come alongside of you and help you get through a rough time in your life or get through the hurt and the woundedness of life. Um, so we need all of those types of people in our life. And, and I think that, um, if you, if you don't have a pastor, who's a teacher, then find, listen, find one online who is a teacher who might walk you through those kinds Mm -hmm. of things and that's Mm -hmm. and but we have we have access to so much information it's it's ridiculous
1: Um, it's ridiculous new hope chapel has um newhopechapel.org all of our sermons are online okay and and um and i do a fourth of them so if you're interested in hearing you know examples of of that whole thing um it's a good place to check out so it's free downloads Yeah. Great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, um, and I I was telling you that at the beginning, um, well off camera, but we were, we're starting, my husband and I have joined with another family and we're starting a new ministry and it's shameless plug here, but Messiah's heritage ministry. And we do the same thing. We're putting all of our videos Mm -hmm. on our website. And so that you can hear the different, um, right now we, we have two teachers, you get a different insight from the different teachers and so it's really a cool thing i think that your congregation is doing and
1: having that yeah i know we we had a speaker for a woman's retreat a few years back and she was a lovely person a friend of mine actually and um she was teaching on i forget even what what it was but anyway she told a story and and then started using verses to you know make her point but um it it wasn't perfect and so (laughs) My girls, my Bible study that I've been training for years on this, uh, came up to me afterwards and said, she took all that out of context. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, like secretly, you're like so happy. You've done well, my little grasshoppers. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I wanted them to criticize. I said, just take the good. Enjoy what God's given you through this. And, you know, that's what you have to do. You know, nobody's out to get anybody. Nobody, to me, judgment, No. No, we all are doing the best we can, but we all can learn something. And I continue to grow in my understanding of the scriptures, Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you do. Um, It's just a lifelong process. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. take a risk and do it. You'd be amazed. And one of the courses I taught at Blue Ridge this past year was just the idea of um, finding fresh Mm -hmm. material in the word of God. Mm -hmm. Because it's there. But you don't have to look, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got something fresh for every chapter. Every chapter I've mm-hmm. written in every book, God gave me something fresh. And I'm not doing that to brag. Right. I'm saying he's it's him. To do it's that, all about right? him and
0: yeah. it's his word. Oh, and and I yeah. I actually sometimes explain that, you know, the Bible's like an ocean, but we snorkel on top of the ocean instead of going deep down into see the amazing right. treasures underneath and the amazing beauties. Yes. in the coral reefs and the whales right. you know the the animals that live way down and um and we miss those things because we don't take a deep dive and and
1: but scuba divers don't take a deep dive until they've learned mm-hmm. to master the surface
0: that's true and then they go a little we deeper, and a little deeper.
1: It's, it's a skill it's a skill so you develop it over mm-hmm. time and over practice and now my favorite part of starting a new passage. Um, I've been doing the Psalms this summer, so that's like really cool because I can. <laughs> yes. New one every day, but, um, I really love, you know, taking it and marking. It. I've got little pens colored pens and i mark it up and i ask questions mm-hmm. and i do all the things and really start researching before i right. ever touch a commentary a lot as a matter of fact with the psalms i really have been touching many commentaries but but the thing is it's it's it's, it's a skill i've been doing it for so mm-hmm. long it's second nature to me and but everybody can everybody can learn the skill right yeah. everybody can do it so yeah um yeah now i'm getting i'm feeling inspired i think i need to write a bible study about how to study yeah. the bible <laughs>
0: good and i'll i'll have you back to talk about so, it so it's awesome we well thank you yeah, i appreciate yeah. you and i appreciate um all that you have to share and teach because i think that it's all important i think that we um you know we need to hear from gifted teachers we just gifted te- teachers are a gift from god and um and he's given us yes. those gifts to teach everyone and to help them understand who he is and what his word says and it's, it's an important thing so i appreciate your books i appreciate um your time explaining the different passages that you've taught on so thank you so much
1: always good to talk to a sister mm-hmm. that loves it the is Lord of god Always. yeah you yeah. can get
0: into a long conversations. <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> so thank you very much well, thank you I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find me at graftedjewishroots.com. Please check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews, on my website. And I also have a Facebook page under the same name. Join me every Wednesday for a new episode of Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. Thank you for listening.